Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome home. This is Tracy, and we want to thank you for being a part of the Life Together podcast. Before we get into this week's teaching, we want you to know that you matter to God and you matter to us. Life Together is a Wednesday evening gathering for worship, Bible study, and community here at Oak Creek Assembly of God in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. This series has been a very heavy series. It's been really heavy. We've been talking about this concept of hevel because in Ecclesiastes, the teacher uh, refrains over and over again that life is meaningless, that work is meaningless, that pleasure is meaningless. And he, uh, the teacher keeps saying that it's meaningless. And in some translation of the, of the Bible, it says it's vanity. It's all folly. It's all foolish. Um, but the word that, that meaningless is translated from is the word hevel. And in Hebrew, it's a, got a different meaning to it. It means mist. It's all mist. Not that it's meaningless per se or that it's pointless, but it's mist. It's temporary. It's an enigma. It's a vapor. It's, it's here and it's part of our lives, but it's hevel. It doesn't last. It goes away quickly. And there's, I think there's like two popular reactions that we could have. Like if it was a spectrum, we could either be over here and be like, well, it's all missed. YOLO! Eat today and live merrily for tomorrow we die. So let's go out with a bang. Um, and then on this side, we have a little bit of more of an Eeyore approach of fatalism of like, well, we're all going to die someday anyway. You know, it's like, why look at my full dishes in my sink? And it's like, why should I wash my dishes? It's just going to be in there again in 10 minutes. Or why should I mow my grass? It's just going to grow again. Or why should I keep trying to connect with people if they keep leaving or moving or dying or getting sick? Or why should I keep myself from spending if I'm spending money on what makes my life temporarily happy? And we can get lost in the hevel of what we do. And so if life isn't necessarily, according to scripture, about pleasure, life isn't about work, life isn't about wisdom or legacy or staying young, active, and healthy, then what's the point of any ambition that we might have in our relationships, in our finances, in our goals, in anything that we do? And that's where we are at in our last week of Ecclesiastes. Are you ready for some good news? Yes. <laughs> I've had several friends being like, when is Ecclesiastes going to end? Because I know it's in the Bible and that makes it really good, but it really is like the best worst book in the Bible, right? It's just heavy. So I want to tell you what the meaning is in the mist, what the teacher tells us in Ecclesiastes. Um, but before I get into it, I just want to pause and pray and invite the teacher into our conversation. Lord God, we love you so much, and we thank you for your presence. I thank you, God, that you're, you're the God who walks among us. I thank you, Lord, that you're the creator, and you made all things, and you are holy, and you are worthy of praise, and yet you walk among us. You want relationship with us, and so you show us your truth so we can walk with you. We can walk with you without the lies, without being misinformed, without being misled, because you want us to walk rightly with you. You want to have relationship with us and call us into that tonight. And I praise you, Lord. 
And I pray, God, that you would refine our hearts tonight, that you would change our perception and that you would help us to see the way you want us to see, help us to see the things you want us to see, to perceive life the way that life is to be and not how it is. Lord, we submit our wills to you tonight. And, Father, we also humbly ask for your forgiveness. Lord, I know that there's sin that comes with us into this room. And you said, Lord, that when we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us of every sin and wash us clean. And, Lord, if there's sin and shame that we've brought with us into this place tonight that's going to distract us from your plan for our life, God, we, we repent. We're sorry, Lord. We ask that you would wash us clean, that we would be your people, that you would be our God. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, the meaning in the mist. I'm going to tell you it after I tell you a story. Um, when, I, when my babies were little, I hung out with one of my older friends. She was 83, and um, I was in my 20s at the time. And she was a big romance movie buff, like Rock Hudson, Gone with the Wind, all of the old classic romance movies. And she'd be like, Mandy, you want to come over? We'll watch some movies together. I was like, sure, that sounds like fun. And so I would go and sit on her couch. And before she started the movie, she would like kind of brief me on it and be like, okay, see, she's not going to fall for him. She, she, doesn't like him. He gets on her nerves, but he really likes her. And then eventually they fall in love, but then he goes off to war and then she's by herself. And then while she's by herself, she falls in love with this guy and they get married, but he turns out to be really, really awful to her. And then he gets in a bar fight and so he gets killed, but here she is pregnant and and she's a single mom now and she's all by herself and she's destitute and in poverty. And in the meantime, her, her love interest over here comes home from the war, but she thought that he had died and he hadn't died yet and now he's home from the war but he thinks she's married and so he doesn't want to mess with her anymore and then he finds out that she's not married anymore and her husband is dead and she's a single mom and and she thinks he's not interested but he is and then they figure it out and they make eye contact and they kiss and everything turns out all right in the end okay let's start the movie And it was wonderful spending time with her, but she was not a good person to watch a movie with. And I've had several people ask me through this series, this is really good, but where's the hope? Like, where's the meaning in all the things that we've been talking about? And today is the day that you've been anxiously waiting for. I know you've been sitting on the edge of the couch. So just like my friend told me the end of the movie before we watched it, I'm going to tell you the end before we start on the beginning, because that's how God calls us to live, is to live with the end in mind. I invite you to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 11 with me. It says, the words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives the sheep. But my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless, and much study wears you out. That's not the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion, the end. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. 
In order to keep the end in mind, the teacher tells us that we have to have three mindsets in order to find meaning in the hevel of our lives. And the first mindset that he invites us to is to have a trusting mindset. He says, the words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Just like in our time together, it's been painful to reflect on the reality of life. It's painful to think about all the investment that we invest in our families, meaningful things as hevel, as mist. It's been painful to think about all the work and all the toil that we do and the investment that we give to education so we can do better work, so we can make better money, so we can provide for our families and build up for a future that's mist. That's painful to reflect on. The, the teacher says that it's like a cattle prod. It's painful but helpful. So, like, this is thousands of years ago, right? And so we still use cattle prods today, only they're, like, with electric sticks or whatever for the cattle. But back in this day, it would have been, like, a stick with a nail on the end of it. And if a cattle or a sheep got off course, the shepherd would take the stick and just kind of prod it along a little bit. Painful, it's not going to harm the animal, but it's going to make the animal uncomfortable and get the animal to move in a direction of provision, to get the animal to move in a, a direction to safety, to water, to abundance, to a place where the animal can rest. And the shepherd knows where he's taking the animal. These words we've been studying through Ecclesiastes has been like a cattle prod. It's been painful and uncomfortable, and nobody likes to sit around the family table and say, okay, kids, tell me about your meaningless day. That's just painful to talk about. However, when the, the cattle are prodded along by the shepherd, they get to move in the direction the shepherd wants them to move in. And it's usually to a place of safety and rest. And when we think about trust and trusting the voice in our life, it makes me think about how Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. And he's so good that he's willing to lay down his life for sheep. Sheep doesn't understand the point of the shepherd. The sheep doesn't understand why the shepherd's causing it pain, but the sheep does know the shepherd's voice. And the shepherd wants to lead the sheep into safe places. Jesus is our shepherd. And sometimes his voice causes us to come into uncomfortable circumstances, might bring up some painful issues, might bring us to a struggle or a place of discomfort. But when we trust his voice, we can trust that our good shepherd is leading us and guiding us to a place of abundance, to a place of eternal life-giving resources. Jesus is the shepherd. In Psalm 23, the songwriter David writes, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I lack nothing. We can trust the wise voice of our teacher calling us through the haze of life. In every situation that arises, ebbs and flows, if there's, if there's a lack, if there's abundance, if there's joy, if there's pain, in every ebb and flow of our life, we can trust the voice of our shepherd that he's guiding our life for a purpose, for his purpose. 
sometimes we can we can um, trust in the wrong voices. You know, like if we put our trust in the things that, that Ecclesiastes calls hevel, it's so easy to do. I mean, day in and day out, I find myself trusting in things that's missed. I mean, work is a gift from God. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a godly thing to work, to have good work to enjoy. But when we, when we trust our work more than our provider, we're attempting to cling on to trust missed that doesn't last. When we trust voices of wisdom and knowledge more than faith in our, in our pursuit of God's presence, we get lost in the midst of, of too much study, of too much self-reliance of the things that we know, the, the expertise that we have, the abilities that we have. There's books and there's science and there's trainings and there's unending growth of knowledge. We can never read enough books or attend enough trainings or workshops to prepare us for all the wisdom that we need in life. The wisdom we need in life comes from the voice of the Lord. God has given us his Holy Spirit. When we follow Christ, when we give our lives to Christ, God puts his Holy Spirit in our hearts to tell us what we need to know, to tell us how to follow him, to tell us where we are to pursue him, what we are to stay away from, and what we are to cling to. We need to trust the voice of our shepherd. When we trust in our own strength and virility, thinking, I've got time, we miss out on those moments that God has ordained for us, the good things that he's made for us to do before we were even born. In order to find meaning in the mist, we must trust the prodding of our shepherd no matter how uncomfortable, no matter what place the shepherd takes us to, because we, he's prodding us to good places. And here's my question tonight is, what voice are you trusting in? What hevel might you be clinging to over trusting the voice of the one who's calling you, over trusting the voice of your shepherd? And that's, it, it's hard because the voice of our shepherd calls us to sacrifice. The voice of our shepherd calls us to give up. The voice of our shepherd calls us to life abundance, and that comes with great cost sometimes but you can trust the voice of your shepherd. Mindset number two that the teacher tells us is to remember. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. So on a scale of one to 10, how's your memory? I'm honestly probably like at a two. It's a little concerning. I need to sleep more and drink more water, probably exercise. But Okay, so 10, show me on your fingers. 10 being, I remember the name of the person sitting next to me tonight. I remember their birthday and how much eggs cost yesterday. That's 10. Or are you at a one being, I can't remember where I put my keys, but I got to life together tonight. So show me on your hands, where are you at? <laughs> okay, okay, we got a lot of middle grounders. I'll go with that. So memory is an interesting part of who we are. It really makes us different than the person sitting next to us. Is our experiences, the things that we remember to do. And memory is so much a part of who we are. It drives our thinking. It drives our learning. It drives our ability. But when we talk about memory, it's so much more than just like remembering something. Because there's short-term memory. There's long-term memory, muscle memory, working memory, iconic memory, acoustic memory, declarative memory, implied memory, procedural memory, associative memory, and non non-associative memory, and priming memory. So now how's your memory? You want to recount? <laughs> 
I think I'd, I just don't know how I'm doing. But memory helps us to learn and to adapt to new experiences based off of our memory of what we've already known or unknowingly known of whatever sort from old experiences, right? So every action that we take come take comes from our decision making and that's usually based off of our past experience off of the memories that we have and the teacher here reminds us to remember our creator and it's not just about what we think about but it's the decisions that we make based off of our memory when we remember our creator our actions are different than what they used to be When we remember our creator in the midst of temptation, our actions choose to be more rightly aligned with what God has designed for our lives. And the teacher tells us to remember our creator in every single aspect of who we are. In Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 8, it says, Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. So back then when the teacher was writing, they didn't have glasses. They didn't have LASIK surgery. When people got cataracts, it was like clouds darkening their eyesight. So while you can see, remember your creator. I'm turning 40 this year, and I need reading glasses. Apparently, that's like the magic number of needing reading glasses is 40. My eyes are starting to dim, as opposed to like my kids' eyes, that's bright with youth and virility and lack of sunlight on their, on their lenses. And so before our eyesight gets bad, before those senses start to go away, remember your creator. And it makes me wonder, what are you looking at that pleases your creator? Are you remembering your creator in the things that you are seeing with your eyes? Jesus says the eyes are the windows to the soul. What you see most affects, this is a scientific fact, what you see most affects your learning, your understanding of the world, and your ability to adjust. And I'm wondering, are you remembering your creator in the things that you set in front of your eyes? in the things that you watch, in the things that you read, in the pictures that you look at? Are you remembering your creator? And are you choosing to look at things that are edifying for your souls? Verse 3 says, remember him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble, and before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember God while your body is still strong. You are all here tonight, and I know there's different levels of, of ability, physical ability in the house, but you're here. That tells me you have strength in your body that you can Give to the Lord that you can remember for God. Honor and remember your creator with the strength of your arms and legs and back. How are you using your strength? How are you using your arms to serve and love others? How are you using your legs to physically take you to places that you will remember your creator? Are you walking into situations that's going to lead for more temptation? Or are you walking directly into the paths that God has called for you? 
Are you walking toward people in need? Are you walking the path that God has set for you? Remember him before you, oh, this is funny. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants. <laughs> Stop grinding. And before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. There's an, a neighbor across the street, and like the whole front of their house is windows. I just want to clarify that so you don't think I'm creepy. But then they have like a huge screen TV that faces the windows. And so every once in a while, I'll look out my front window, and I can see what they're watching on their TV. And it just, like, this verse makes me think about, like, women looking through their windows out on the street to see what's going on, like, who's talking to who, and what's, gone, what's going on over there, and, and what do I perceive about that, and what do I think about that? <laughs> you know, you got the image in your mind? And so the Lord is calling us to remember him before we, we consider things. Like, what are we focusing on? What are we perceiving? What are we thinking about? What, what's titillating our thinking? And what are we amused by? Remember your creator in those things. Remember him before the door to life's opportunity is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him in your work and ambition, and remember him in retirement, in the season of rest at the end of your life, before the door of life's opportunities have come to a close. Remember him while you still have ears to hear. Jesus says this several times in the gospel. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. How are we using our ears to listen for the voice of the Lord, to see what he is saying? And you're here tonight, and I'm so glad that you're here tonight. That means you want to hear what God is saying to his church. Who are you listening? Remember your creator in your work and in your listening. Remember him and the choices you make and what you pay keen attention to. In verse 5, the teacher tells us, Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets before your hair turns white like the almond tree in bloom, and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. <laughs> oh, boy, I, I felt like a dying grasshopper. Okay, and the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Remember him with your intimate desires. We've talked about this in other, in other uh, times when we're studying Ecclesiastes, but I hear the call again. Remember him in your virility. Sexuality is a gift from our creator. It's not something that he's designed for us to throw around wherever we feel like it. Then we're no better than the animals. God has called us to remember him with our sexuality, to remember him with the energy that we have. We only have so much that we've been given. How are we going to give that back to our creator, to remember him and to honor him? We hear messages and we see commercials selling detergent or cheeseburgers even that, that promote this sense of go with what you feel. But God has called us each to higher purpose than that. God has identified us and he calls us by name. He knew who we were, who he formed us to be while we were still in our mother's womb. God knew us and he's ordained us and all the gifts that he's given in our physical bodies. Use that for our creator. Remember him. Remember him when you're feeling tempted and lust feels like it's taking hold. Remember God and say, God, help me. I want to honor you with my body. 
Yes, remember your creator now while you're young. Before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken, don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Remember your creator. My great-grandpa um, was just, just a mean guy. My dad is one of, uh, one of five kids, and he's the middle kid. And he remembers when, when his, gra- his grandpa told him, he said, I told your mom to stop at two. And my dad would be like, yeah, but grandpa, I'm, I'm her third. Yeah, I know she should have stopped at two. <laughs> he was that kind of that guy. And just all his life opposed to God. Didn't want to listen to anything about the Lord, would shut down any conversation, was hard-hearted and lived for work and ambition and self-seeking pleasure. Yet at the end of his life, he was on his deathbed, and he was still hard to God. And God opened his eyes, and he started to see smoke come out of the walls of his room. He said he saw dragons prowling around his room like cats. And I firmly believe that God opened his eyes and gave him one last chance. Because on my grandpa's deathbed, he prayed and he gave his heart to Jesus. And praise God for his grace. Yes, praise God for his grace and his mercy. And I'm so thankful I get to spend eternity with my grandpa in heaven according to God's promise. But like his whole life. All of his work, all of his pleasure, all of the good things of our life was wasted. All of it became missed because he didn't do it in remembrance of his creator. It was missed. And now is the time to remember our creator. With whatever energy, whatever whatever strength that we have left, that we remember our creator. So to find meaning in the midst, we trust the voice of our shepherd. That as he leads us through painful or pleasant places, that we can trust his voice. And then he calls us to remember God and all of the gifts that God has given us. And then the third mindset is to fear God. This is a topic we don't like to talk about a whole lot because Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And in 1 John, the writer talks about loving God. And in Romans, it talks about uh, we love God because he first loves us. And also that, that God draws us with his loving kindness. Love is, is the foundation of our relationship with God because God has shown us his great love. And yet here, the teacher of Ecclesiastes has taken us through every step of our lives and calls us to fear God in every hevel thing in our lives, whether it's work or pleasure or wisdom or ambition. In uh, in chapter 12, verse 13, the teacher says, Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments, for this is everyone's duty. Fearing God means prioritizing God, revering God over any other voice in our life. Fearing God calls us to attention of, I need to follow Jesus. It's not just, I feel like I want to follow Jesus. It's like, I need to follow Jesus because God is watching and I revere God over my own feeling, over my own circumstances. There's a story of the Israelites where uh, God frees them from Egypt. So they were under heavy slavery, just horrible brutality. 
And Moses goes in with the power of God and brings them out of Egypt and brings them to a place in the desert of Sinai. And they're sitting at Mount Sinai. And for hundreds of years, the, the Israelites were stuck in Egypt. And they were surrounded by all of these different gods of Egypt. They were surrounded by oppression, by people who were telling them how to live a certain way that wasn't according to God. And God wanted to show them who he was. And so they're sitting at the base of the mountain. And God tells Moses, tell the people to get ready. It wasn't just a nice worship service where they felt God's presence and they felt, they felt loved and and apart, God showed up. He stepped down on the mountain, and the mountain shook, and there was fire and lightning and wind and trumpet blasts, and the people, I'm pretty sure they all needed to clean up a little bit after that. They feared God. They feared God. Uh, Moses tells the people in Exodus chapter 20, verse 20, he says, Don't be afraid, for God has come in this way to test you so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. We, when we revere God, when we fear God above everything else, we find meaning in the mist because we don't fear anything else. We know that God is the most revered, the most holy, the most worthy of all of our attention, of all of our effort. Your creator gave you work. Revere God in your work. Your creator gave you strength and virility. Fear, revere God with your strength and your virility. Your creator gave you senses that are pleasurable. Fear God, revere God with your pleasures. Your God gave you authority to seek justice for all those who are oppressed. Fear God and revere God over the fear of others. In him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being and our purpose, and he is our meaning. He will never pass away. Time will never diminish him. Circumstances will not change him. He will not become easier in his holiness. He will not let sin be more acceptable in his presence. God is undaunted by the seasons because he made the chain reactions that keep the seasons spinning around us. And here's the final conclusion of the matter. At the end of the matter, the meaning in the mist begs these three questions. Who are you trusting? What are you remembering? And who are you revering? Who are you fearing? Because when we revere God over all else, our social media responses doesn't matter as much. When we revere God over anybody else, people ridiculing us or keeping out of keeping us out of social circles doesn't mean as much. When we revere God over our work calling us to unethical things that doesn't line up with scripture, then we place God at a higher standard than what our work calls us to. And this is what we've been doing going through Ecclesiastes. We've been looking for meaning in the midst of all the things that, that are good and acceptable of work and pleasure and family and all these things. But all these things will pass away. At the end, we will be with the Lord. And that's where our hope is found. That solidity of the meaning of the mist. He is our rock. He is our firm foundation. And when the mist clears, God will be there and we can be standing on him and with him. Our hope is in our creator. And we know, of, we know our meaning of all we are and all we do. And when we know these things, then the hevel begins to solidify and we can become an eternal part of God's plan for us. Jesus lived in our midst. He stepped in the fog of our human condition. He 
put himself in our temporary moments. He shared our physical experiences. He knew pleasure. He walked in reverence of his father God, and he was the embodiment of all wisdom. And he stood with us in the mist so he could clear out and invite us into the foundation of being with our creator again. You know, the cool thing about Ecclesiastes is that it's an unfinished theology. It was written a thousand years before Jesus was born. The teacher didn't know about Jesus, and we have the privilege of knowing the resurrection that we have, that we get to spend eternity with our Father, with our Creator someday, because Jesus stepped into our midst. And God is calling us to know the meaning in the midst of our lives, to walk with purpose in everything that we do, having our creator in our memory, that we remember him, that we trust his voice. Um, I was walking through a graveyard at some point. I actually really like walking through graveyards. Anybody else? Yeah, there's something really reflective, you know, painful but helpful, just like Ecclesiastes. Um, but I looked down at, at this tombstone, and I don't know this woman, but her name was on it and the date of her life. And the quote on it just, and this was in my, like, I was 18, so this was a while ago, and I still remember her tombstone says, she lived to bring glory to her king. And that's the meaning of our lives, that we are to live to bring glory to our creator because he is the eternal one. He is why we live. He made everything for his pleasure, not for our pleasure. We get to partake in pleasure, and in living for God, we find pleasure in that. Praise God that he's good like that. But we all exist for his pleasure and his glory. And when we keep that in mind in every aspect of our life, there's meaning in our work. There's meaning in our pleasure. There's meaning in the way we connect to people. There's meaning in our ambition and in wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your solidity. Thank you that you are, are the eternal God. Thank you, Lord, for your invitation that you call us unto you. I pray, Father, for all of our hearts in this room to be trusting your voice, to be remembering you in every aspect of our life when we're by ourselves, when we're with other people, when we're at church, when we're at work, when we're at home, when we're at play. Lord, that we're remembering you and Father, help us to revere you above all else, that our hearts would be constantly bent on glorifying you and loving you, Lord, and knowing you and being in community with you. Thank you for bringing meaning to every aspect of our life because you're in it. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. Bless my brothers and sisters. Help them to grow in the grace of God. Help them to be rooted firmly in the love of Christ. Help them to walk forward knowing everything in their life, whether heavy or light, whether hard or easy. God, you'll be glorified in it all. You'll be glorified in all of it and everything. Lord, for those of, of those in this room whose mist is really heavy, feels toxic right now, Lord, I pray that you would show them that you're with them in the middle that you're with them in their midst. Lord, that you're above it and you're faithful and you're good. You have their good in mind. Help them to listen to your voice, God. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for being with us for the Life Together podcast. It's even better when we get to see you in person. 
you are invited to join us on Wednesday evenings here at Oak Creek Assembly of God. We are a church that exists to reach our world for Christ as we lead people to discover and become who God has created them to be. Find us online at oakcreekag.org.